If you're looking to sell your private company stock, SharesPost has a solution for you. With more than $4 billion in company-approved transactions, SharesPost is the leading marketplace for private company shares. To learn more, visit us at sharespost.com slash equity. Hello, and welcome back to Equity. I'm TechCrunch's Kate Clark, one of your regular hosts, and I'm here with Alex Wilhelm from Crunchbase News. How's it going, Alex? Uh, well, I was hopefully going to have a quiet day and then, you know, knock off at 5 p.m. exactly and uh, make some dinner. But instead, we're having an emergency equity episode because everyone's going public. So that's kind of a summary of how I feel right now. Indeed. I had to cancel a few meetings this afternoon because Pinterest and Zoom decided it was a great day to drop their S1s. Uh, it was a good day for those of us who've been waiting a long time. I feel like the Pinterest S1 has been kind of like this this thing we've been hunting, like like uh, Moby Dick for like five years now. Zoom, a bit more of a dark horse, but also fascinating. Uh, but we presume that everyone out there is more curious about big pint. So, Kate, uh, why don't you take us through the – well, that's what I – isn't it actually pins? That'll be the ticker symbol, I think. Pins, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there are five big companies we're all highly anticipating to go public, and that's Uber, Lyft, Slack, Airbnb, and Pinterest. And now Pinterest is taking an official big, big step forward toward becoming one of those IPO'd companies. So um, today, about two hours ago, Pinterest filed its S1, which um, showed a revenue of revenue of $755.9 million in the year ending December 31st, 2018. That was an increase from $472.8 million in 2017. And in that, in that time, the company's also hit 265 million monthly active users and posted a net loss of 62.9 million last year which is shrinking from or which has shrunk from 130 million in 2017 yeah, and so these these trends, this rising uh, revenue and shrinking net losses, was actually also mirrored in 2016. They had just under 300 million in revenue that year, and they had a net loss of 182 million. So constantly decreasing losses, constantly growing revenues implies strong margins. And uh, I thought it was overall a pretty healthy looking company. There's a path to profitability kind of right there. You can draw it out with a ruler if you wanted to. So I was. Uh, pleasantly surprised about this. Kate, what was your overall impression of the numbers when you saw them? Um, like I told you, I think I went into it expecting Uber and Lyft numbers, which is just foolish because, of course, Pinterest doesn't have the kind of, wouldn't be posting the same kinds of revenues. But like, we just took a closer look at those Lyft financials so recently and, and Lyft had posted like some $2 billion in revenue. So, the, you know, going in and seeing these, seeing numbers in the millions, I was like, oh, this is not even, what am I even looking at? I don't care about this. But like, it's as you have mentioned to me and pointed out, and you're right, these these are good numbers. And I think a lot of people have been very skeptical of what Pinterest was going to end up revealing in their S1. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, okay, like this is this is good. Yeah. So going back to our, our discussion about, about Lyft, I mean, Lyft lost more money uh, last year than Pinterest had revenue, just to give you a scale differential. So they're not quite in the same league. But here's the interesting point and why I think the Lyft comparison is fascinating. So uh, Lyft was worth $15.1 roughly at its last private round and before it was oversubscribed in its IPO it was looking at a valuation of around 22 23 billion dollars that might go up um but pinterest was worth like 13 you know at its last round of funding so there is an interesting question about is one of these two companies overvalued or are we going to see some kind of uh, i don't know some linkage between the two but um it, it, it's a fun day for sure i think i think what's interesting um and kind of stood out to me so over the last three years, Pinterest has posted $1.5 in revenue, which is the exact same amount of money they've raised in venture capital. So it's just kind of a, it gives you an idea of how this whole thing works. And um, the interestingly, the S1 didn't 
tell us the percent ownership of the venture capital firms that have invested in Pinterest, though it did say who their largest stakeholders are, which are Bessemer Venture Partners, First Smart Capital, and recent Horowitz, Fidelity, and Valiant Capital Partners. That is a lot of, of really big names, but then it just goes to show how much money had to go in to build this company. But at the same time, you know what? This is one of those long bets that has paid off because people that got in early to this company were buying in, you know, at like, you know, dozens of millions of dollars in valuation and it's going to walk out probably worth about a dozen billion. That's fun. You know, um, good things come to those who wait. And if you've been a Pinterest shareholder, it's been a very long one. Uh, but can I talk about quarterly stuff, Kate, and a little bit about seasonality? Yeah. Okay, so if you are listening out there and you're following along with us in the S1, go to page 77, and there you're going to see the quarterly results of what Pinterest has done as a company. And you're going to quickly see by looking at the Q4 figures, the December 31 quarters in 17 and 18, it's a very seasonal company. Now, I'm not a big Pinterest user. I have used it. But as you can kind of imagine, when the holiday quarter runs around or comes around, sorry, people use Pinterest more to look for things to buy and whatnot. So revenue goes up as more people advertise to capture those eyeballs and attention. Um, in the Q4 of last year, so the December 31, 2018 quarter, uh, Pinterest revenue was $273.2 million. And they had a, a net income of $47 million which is quite impressive because that's their biggest ever single quarter profit that we have access to. And I'm curious, Kate, if this could somehow impact why they're rushing to go public now, because the journal reported this morning here on Friday that they were kind of accelerating their IPO. And I'm curious if it's this really strong quarter they now have on the books that's kind of, I don't know, scooting them out the door, if you will. Yeah, I think that's got to be the case. I mean, there are so many IPOs right now. And I it does make me question what the demand for Pinterest will be, though we did just see with Lyft, they already oversubscribed. So I think, you know, considering they should do fairly well, but I, I would say it's got to be as a result of what you just mentioned, the seasonality surrounding Pinterest's platform. What, one more thing that kind of comes into that. So after this big Q4 they've put up in 2017 and now in 2018, we have access to their 17Q1 and their 18Q1. So kind of the March 31st quarter, the first one of each year, which is a non-seasonal quarter. And historically, very steep losses. So if you look at the March 31, 2017 quarter, um, their net income was negative 61 million. And the same Q1 in 2018 was negative 52.7 million. So here, if they do go public now on the strength of this very strong Q4 they put up, which is you know probably smart, they're going to quickly report right after that a Q1 that's probably a bit of a mess because that's when they, their revenue goes down quite a lot and their costs stay kind of about the same. So I... I in one hand, I think it's brilliant. On the other hand, are they setting themselves up for a kind of a, a tough first quarter? Right. Are, are we going to have another blue apron on our hands or even another snap? Like, I mean, th those are definitely things to consider. And it's so hard for me to actually imagine Lyft, Uber, and Pinterest actually going public within maybe like three weeks of each other. That is going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. I mean, if you see your local friendly reporter, buy them a coffee because they're really going to need it. Um, but quibbling gently with what you just said, I think this is pretty far from a snap and pretty far from a blue apron because those companies had like crazy cost structures. Whereas in this case, you know, shrinking net, net losses, rising revenue, it feels at least directionally very good to me. And if I recall correctly, I think their growth percentage went up. Uh, in 18 over 17. I'm trying to find my math here. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And I'm sure Pinterest would be very mad at me to hear me compare them to Blue Apron and Snap. I, I do not think that those IPOs 
will end up being similar. But I do think it's a really big risk to, yes, you know, go off a hot quarter and go out, go out on the stock exchange. But if you're, if you know what's coming and it's not going to be glowing, there still will be negative consequences. There will. And I, I was actually correct there. So Pinterest grew 58.2% according to my math. So please fact check me from 2016 to 2017, but 60% from 17 to 18. You don't tend to see percentage revenue growth acceleration of a company at this scale. And that's interesting. And that can be heartening to investors. I mean, I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. And I think probably a good note to uh, before we move on to Zoom, um, just to say Pinterest has a long way to go too. They have a lot of opportunity left for them. As was noted in the S1, um, they just... They really haven't found their global audience so much. Like they, they are just, they're making you know all of their their revenue off U.S. users, most of which are female, which is great. But they have a lot more work to sort of um, find that global customer base, and I think maybe that'll be what we'll see in the next couple of years from the company, as well as expanding on their e-commerce features. Because I think for a long time we all thought Pinterest was going to be this really great platform for shopping, and it just has not become that platform. Yeah, that takes longer than I think people expected for because Instagram is right now just working on kind of direct purchasing inside of its platform. And it's been an obvious feature ad for years. It has. But I think, you know, Instagram began as a photo sharing app and Pinterest kind of began as a place where people would go for outfit inspiration. At least I remember using it for that in high school. And I think, sure, you know, I used to remember I, I used to think, well, it would be cool if I could buy things off this. And it just still hasn't like really managed <laughs> to do that. So it's kind of interesting <laughs> to see how slow that process has been. I think actually Instagram has figured that out a lot faster. Okay. Well, I think that's, that's a very good point, but it does kind of leave us with a half uh, glass, half full, half empty thing. Like on one hand, they've done very well domestically and very poorly internationally. On the other hand, they can still do well internationally and have a lot of growth ahead of them. I don't know where you stand, but at a minimum, they can spin that in their roadshow and probably make a compelling narrative that there's still growth ahead of them, uh, which is what you, you have to do. Hey everyone, don't forget this episode is brought to you by SharesPost. Okay, uh, enough on Big Pin. Let's talk about Zoom. Um, Kate, for people who don't know, what is Zoom? What does it do? It is a video conference conferencing startup. So pretty much if you need to have a business meeting, you can log on to Zoom and you can have a conference call. You can have a conference video call. Although, well, I guess we, we do do those at TechCrunch. But yeah, I mean, it's just basically a tool for enterprises to communicate better. Yeah, I run a remote team. And so we use Zoom all the time. But I have to disclose here that uh, Crunchbase is... Uh, Crunchbase News' parent company shares an investor emergence capital with Zoom. There we go. Disclosure made. It doesn't actually impact anything, but I feel the need to, to say that. Uh, anyway, Zoom filed today as well, which was a bit of a surprise. It's not as well known to the public as Pinterest for sure. But if you go through airports, you have seen their ads. They say like huddle happy or something. I fly a lot. So I've been bombarded with a bunch of them. Um, kind of a dark horse on the, uh, the, big, on the IPO side, but their S1 was clean. That was probably the biggest thing that I got out of this. The company has posted very strong revenue growth over time and has a history of not actually losing that much money. Now, what's really fascinating about Zoom's uh, S1 filing is how clean it is. Now, when we think about enterprise-facing companies that sell their services on a recurring basis, kind of broadly called SaaS, we think about companies that spend a lot of money to acquire customers and often have very, very steep losses over time. Like companies like Box, for example, are kind of the, the, the most famous version of this. They spend a lot of money buying recurring revenue and then they grow over time. Zoom just isn't like that. So uh, in 2017, and its uh, fiscal year ends January 31, like a lot of SaaS companies do, just so you know. So when I say 2017, I mean the year ending January 2017. They had revenue of 60.8 million. That grew over 100% to 151.5 in the year ending January 31st, 2018. 
and the year ending January 31st, 2019, that grew all the way to 330.5 million. So over 100% growth the last two years. And the company has really not lost a lot of money. In fact, they had a net income last year of $7.6 million, which I'm going to admit it really shocked me. Kate, had you heard that Zoom was very healthy financially? Because I had not heard they were this good uh, before the S1 dropped. Well, I had an inkling because I actually uh, spoke with Eric Eric Yuan, who is the co-founder and CEO of Zoom, very recently at a at um, Saster, which is that conference in San Jose in I think February. And I sat down with him, and just kind of from what he told me, I did have a sense. Um, but before that, I would have had no idea. I mean, this is a very under the radar company, and actually, it's the unicorn of all unicorns because it's profitable. And I mean, I can't think of another profitable unicorn like pre IPO. And maybe it's because we're we're so buried in this Lyft Uber nonsense. These companies are just throwing money out the doors of their car. But like, yeah, it's it's really cool to see. And I think it's the um, cleanest S one I've seen. If you're an S one aficionado, I'd say go take a peek because it's it's a uh, it's quite the sight. It is quite the sight. And to, and to put into perspective how they kind of pulled this off, if you go back to the the Pinterest. Uh, S1. It had gross margins in the 60s, I think like 62 last year and 68's most recent year, give or take. Uh, Zoom's gross margins are over 80% in its most recent year. So out of that $330 million uh, revenue mark they put up in their last fiscal year, it was like $270 million in gross profit. And for people who aren't as financially attuned, if your revenue is higher gross margin, you have more of each dollar revenue left over to pay for operating costs like R&D and sales and marketing and general administrative. And so it has very high quality revenue, which is just extra impressive on top of the growth and the lack of, uh, of deficits. Um, and just for fun, uh, if you do want to follow along, it's page 11 on the, the Zoom S1. Uh, you'll note that the, its, it's net income slash loss in its uh, fiscal year ending January 31st, 2017 was uh, 14K, which is as close to zero as I've ever seen in a full year uh, uh, annual report. It was it was staggering. It's almost like a joke to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, just for a little bit more background on Zoom, because they aren't really one of those buzzworthy unicorns you're reading about on TechCrunch all the time. Um this was founded in 2011 by, as I mentioned, Eric Yuan, who had previously founded WebEx, which was a company that sold to Cisco for $3.2 billion in 2007. So um, Zoom had raised $145 million uh, in venture capital funding to date. And just assuming, because Eric Yuan is probably a very rich man, I'm guessing he uh, quote unquote bootstrapped the company or, or funded it himself for quite a while, um, which makes makes a lot of sense. But yeah, it, it uh, garnered a 1.1 or one, maybe just flat $1 billion valuation um, the last time it raised capital, which was in 2017. You know what? Of all the people that I've met who are worth like 500 million or up, because I've also met the CEO uh, a little bit ago, he's probably the most unbillionaire-ish now that I think about it. He seems like kind of modest and nice and not 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 what I expected. I would agree with that. He seemed very much so. Yeah, and I, I had a really in interesting conversation with him about the WebEx acquisition, and he was very clear in his feelings toward that being a very bad, um, not a bad deal, because obviously $3.2 is a great deal, but that he, he wasn't happy with the direction that WebEx went after that acquisition. And he joined Cisco as their VP of engineering and and just, you know, obviously ultimately left, left to, to kind of decide, decided to restart what he was doing because he just was sad with the direction it went. And that's why he was 100% anti 
any kind of M&A transaction and was long IPO just from the beginning and knew that he would not sell another company. That's it's very impressive to start with that perspective because I think M&A deals for less experienced founders are very attractive because you have your chance to kind of make your first million, kind of the colloquial phrase for that. Um, but it's, he was so successful in, the, in that goal because if you look at their history of operating cash flow, in its last three fiscal years, uh, 17, 18, 19, it grew up cash flow from 9.4 million to 19.4 to 51.3. That's just so clean yet again. I, I didn't know you could grow a company that efficiently. I, I wonder what the hell they did. Like, why can't everyone emulate this? Yeah, maybe we should maybe we should invite Eric onto Equity and just be and pick his brain a little bit. Uh, I think we just picked out our next special episode of the show. Uh, yes. So if you know Eric and you're on the on the you're listening to this, uh, get a hold of us because we'd love to have him on. Um, and I think we should probably wrap it up. It's Friday and uh, everyone wants to go out. So those are the two IPOs, everyone. Uh, we have posts up about them. We'll put that in the TC post about this show. Thanks for sticking with us. And hopefully there'll be no more S1s for a couple of days so we can all get some sleep. Yep. See you next week. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And a big thank you to our producer, Christopher Gates, our executive producer, Henry Pickovet, And we will see you all right here next week.